Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, James. Hi, Scott. Another week. Another week. Another episode. Mm -hmm. More questions answered. What should we geek out on today? Today, we are going to answer the question that I guess is more... uh, a little bit broader, but it's what retirement plan options exist for small business owners. Mm. So yeah. I think uh, a lot of people, they have their small business yep. and they want to know how does this impact how I can save for retirement? Sure. What are my options? Yeah. Or if you're an employee at a small business, what are the options that you guys can have? Right. Right. Absolutely. Okay. And as we look at this, one of the things that we'll do is we're going to go through each of the options and what it's going to come down to is if, if you're my client, Scott, and you came to me, to me and said, James, what option should I select for a retirement plan? Right. It's going to depend on a number of factors. Yeah. How much do you want to be able to put away? How much, what's your budget for paying for this? How many employees do you have? Yep. And so what we're going to do is going to give some details and then also maybe give some perspective as to what plan might be best and what are the pros and cons of each of them, depending upon your business. Let's do it. Where do you want to start? Um... Why don't we start with high level with the big differences people are going to see so that as they're, we're going through this, they, they'll, they'll see it's a recurring theme. Yeah, because all these have different names, but the big theme, as you mentioned, is they're going to each have their own different contribution limits, which mm-hmm. is how much can you put into the plan. Yep. They each can have different employer contribution requirements. So if you're a business owner setting this up, what does that mean in terms of how much you'll be contributing for employees? Yeah, and they all have different administration requirements. Right. So those are the three kind of high-level themes here. And we're yep. going to talk about how each of those impacts or is impacted by the type of plan Sweet. that you use. So with that, let's just dive into probably the most common type of retirement plan people know of. Mm-hmm. 401k plan. 401k. So I think people, like you said, are, are probably most familiar with this. Mm-hmm. And the basics of a 401k is if you set this up as a business owner and your your employees can contribute up to $19,500 per year right. in 2020. If they're 50 or older, they get to do what's called a catch-up contribution, and their total contribution is then 26000 Right. So that's nice. That Those are pretty high contribution limits. If you're saying, how do I save for retirement? Well, 401k can be a great place to do that. And you have fairly high contribution limits to start getting money in uh, pre-tax, meaning you don't pay income tax on the money that goes into a 401k. Yep. And that's through something that an employer would set up. Yep. And 401k is more and more commonly, and it's a bullet point up ahead, but you can have either a Roth 401k or a regular pre-tax 401k. It's typically just the same plan. You can even choose to have half going one or half going the other or anything in between. Mm-hmm. So just something to keep in mind there as well. Mm-hmm. And then on top of what the employee can put in, the employer also has the option of making contributions. Most often makes contributions. Yeah. So most often they do make a contribution. And the reason why, for those of you at home, is because there's this thing called a safe harbor rule, which basically means like if if James worked for me, and of course I would totally pay James a lot less than I would make because, well, James, I like you, but 
Uh, Your but mistake. Any, I'm out of here. Anyway, the the point I'm the joking point that I'm making <laughs> is um, a lot of owners will look to set up plans to max it out for themselves, right. but they won't always they they wouldn't always put the best interests of the employee first. And so there's these rules that we have with a lot of these retirement plans that if I make a lot of money and James doesn't, and I go and say, hey, James, you can put in whatever you want. I'm going to go put my max amount in. Well, if I, as the employer, am not putting in a certain amount for James as the employer, a safe harbor contribution, a matching contribution, I don't get to put away my full amount. Right. So that's what we call a safe harbor contribution. And the most common one that you see is a 3% match, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Or there's a 3% and a 2%, which adds up to 4%. Mm-hmm. Those are the most common that you see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, there's a non-discrimination testing, which is, Scott, if you set this plan and you get the benefit as the owner and poor James is sitting here, not really able to take advantage of the plan so much or doesn't have the income to put into the plan that you exactly. can. Exactly. They're going to say this is just kind of uh, a, almost just a tax shield for you as the owner. It's not really benefiting any of the employees. Yep. So there's two ways you can do that. There's the non-elective match of 3%, meaning that like James and any other employee that works for, for Stone Steps in this instance – um, I would just automatically put away 3% for everyone. Even if that's, I don't add a, a even dime. If, even if you don't put a dime in, right. that's very rarely chosen. The one that's most commonly chosen for basic safe harbor is I'll match 100% of the first 3% that James puts in and 50% of the next two. Mm-hmm. And that's the most common. From there, different employers can be more generous if they want to be, right? Mm-hmm. No one says you can't match more. Right. And that's why on the episodes that we've had in the past, we almost always say to you guys, like, go see if there's a match. And if there is, just take it. Right. Because it's, it's normally sitting there for you to, ta- to be had, but usually you have to opt in to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the employer is either adding that benefit, one, so that the employer can make sure that they can max out their contributions mm-hmm. and not be docked by any of the anti-discrimination rules or two just as an employee benefit they want to retain good talent so they're going to make sure that they're providing a good match to keep you there and normally it's both i was giving Mm -hmm. the cynical view earlier um but yeah normally Mm -hmm. it is both people Mm -hmm. because if if you care about your employees you want to make sure that they put themselves in a good financial position as well right so that that's the kind of the basic tenets of the 401k is the employee by themselves they can do a pretty significant contribution again which is a tax benefit and an investing benefit Mm -hmm. plus they get the employer match so this can be a great place for people to save money long term the other detail of the 401k is it costs money to do all this. You know, right. the, the discrimination testing, the compliance testing. This is a company-sponsored plan, which means the Department of Labor, all these different – they're, they're being tested. They're totally. making sure that stuff is happening. And because of that, there's cost to do so. The cool thing is there it, is, it does still cost money to do it. But the cool thing is, is that costs are coming down for small business owners. Right. So there are, um, there are online providers like um, – Guideline. Guideline is the one that comes to mind uh, off the top of my head the mm-hmm. fastest. Um, you know, relatively inexpensive to run a plan compared to what it used to cost just a few years ago. Right. Right. I would say for a multi-participant plan, which means a plan where there's the owner plus the employees contributing, it's probably going to cost a few hundred dollars on the absolute low end for annual administration and of this. that's the low end. That's if you maybe have a handful, three, four employees, and that's it, and you have the right. cheapest option. To up to thousands of dollars right. to, to run this, to administer it annually. And that's just the cost of the plan. Obviously, right. there's the cost of if you're making matching contributions of 3% of entire payroll, that's that's an additional cost, but that's not the administrative cost of the plan. Right. So with that, that that's kind of the, the 
pro con or the benefit cost analysis that business owners are doing is the cost of setting up this plan worth the really the tremendous benefit that that it can be to them and to the employees Mm -hmm. Um, there are other provisions with a 401k it's great you can really customize it to be what you want Mm -hmm. in terms of you can have a roth 401k you can have a pre-tax 401k you can set up eligibility to be based upon how long certain employees have been with your company again to incentivize people to become long-term employees you can set up profit sharing provisions, which is just a way of saying that you can actually get above and beyond those max those max limits that we talked about. Um, you can really create it to be whatever you want, right? But there's a cost with it. Yep, yep. And uh, just a, t- a brief touch on the profit sharing. Profit sharing essentially just means that you know Stone Steps has an amazing year. James is working for me, and I want to put more of my money away in the retirement plan. Mm-hmm the profits of the business. Well, I can do that, but if I have profit sharing turned on in my 401k, I have to put the same percentage of my salary that I put in, I have to put in for you if we have a profit sharing. Right, under the basic profit sharing. Yep, just the ba- and we're giving the basics today because right. we could get in, we could go geek out on this really fast. And, and the thing about the cost of running a plan, if you have a certain need for depth and uh, of, of true expertise, then you're going to go pay for it to get it versus mm-hmm. using like guideline runs a simple 401k plan. It's kind of templated, right? It makes a ton, and it's great for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes there's a need to go deeper and have different testing and different things happening. So mm-hmm. it just depends on what you need. But the, essentially, the thing is, if I said I want to put 10% of my salary away, well, then I'd put away 10% of of James's in that instance as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a contribution maximum that we look at this year. That's fifty seven thousand dollars. That includes that nineteen and a half that James mentioned earlier. Plus so the, the nineteen match, and right. a half plus the difference. Max is out at a cap total $57,000. So you can put away a lot. So 401k plans can be really beneficial if you want to help incentivize employees to stay. Right. They they absolutely can. And then you brought this up uh, just a bit ago, but with a 401k, we're specifically talking about 401ks where there's the business owner and employees. Right. If you are a business owner and you're just operating your own business and there's no employees, there are no administration costs most places that you do this. Right. So you could you could get that $57,000 into your own account without paying any administration costs. That can become a, a hugely effective planning tool. Absolutely. So and that's if you uh, so let's say that um let's say that James has at you know Root Financials doing awesome and he says Ashlyn will you please come work with me? He can still do a solo 401k cuz solo 401ks are allowed for you and your spouse. Yes. It's the moment that you have an, an employee who's not you or your spouse then you right. then you can't have you have to jump into having traditional rules with 401ks. And then the administrative costs kick in because that's where the compliance testing begins. Right. Exactly. Right. Okay, so that's a 401k. Uh, another one that we see sometimes is what's called a simple IRA. Yeah. Simple doesn't actually mean that it's simple to set up or administer, although it can be in certain cases. It's it's an acronym. Yep. Saving incentive match plan for employees, I think is what it stands for. Yep. Um, the nice thing about simple IRAs is they don't have an annual administration cost for the yep. most part. I mean, you can find companies that will charge you, but you could set up a simple IRA and you're not paying for the compliance testing, the administration, the third-party administration, all those things for a 401k. Right. Um, but they are only for businesses with fewer than 100 employees, which is 
most sorts of it's a most lot small of businesses, small businesses absolutely right the downside to the simple versus the 401k is the contribution limit is lower mm-hmm. your your maximum contribution as an employee is thirteen and a half thousand dollars there again is a catch-up mm-hmm. but the catch-up brings you up to a total of sixteen thousand five hundred right so you can save a lot more in a 401k versus a, a simple yeah what's the what's that six thousand dollars less per year mm-hmm to a yep. simple IRA than the contribution limit for a 401k. Yeah, and then almost, well, then 9500 less for the ke- with the catch-up. With the catch-up, right, yep. right. And then uh, the matches are typically lower too. Uh, yeah. They're, they're equal to or lower. So with the simple yep. IRA, as an employer, you go to set up your match, you have two options. You can do that 2% non-elective match, or it's not even a match, just a contribution. Mm-hmm. So again, if, if you have a plan, Scott, and you have employees and you select the 2% non-elective contribution, you are going to add 2% of each employee's salary to their simple IRA, regardless of how much they contribute. Yep. Or you can say you're going to do a 3% matching contribution. Right. So if they contribute up to 3%, you match that full 3%. They don't mm-hmm. contribute anything. You don't contribute anything. One of the nice things about the simple IRA is in some protection it provides to the employer is... If you have an off year, say revenues are down, it's it's tough to make those matching contributions. In two out of any five-year rolling time periods, you could lower that matching contribution to 1% or 2% mm-hmm. if needed. So in most years, you're going to be looking at the 2% non-elective contribution or the 3% matching contribution. Right. Um, there's penalties with simple IRAs. There are. Yeah, there's a 25% penalty if you cash out or roll over your simple IRA within two years. Yes. So for any of you out there who have a simple IRA, and you might think, oh, I'll just go put this in a rollover right away, you the timing matters. It does. Which shocks people, because people get that if you take money out of a retirement plan early, there's a penalty. Right. And that's the case here. But even if you move money from a simple IRA to a traditional IRA, say you... You work for a job, you have a simple IRA for one year, then you leave that job to another one. Well, if you transfer that simple IRA before the two years are over, you're paying a 25% penalty. So make sure to keep that for two years, and then you're free to transfer it uh, as needed. Right. All right. So looking at simple IRAs and looking at 401ks, which which makes sense when? So we talked about 401k. When might a simple IRA make sense over a 401k? If you're a penny pitcher as a business owner. It'll make the most sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I, cost down. it's basically like because there's no cost administratively and your matching contributions are lower. Um, I personally would lean more toward the 401k, though, mm-hmm. I think. If, I guess if you were in a business where margins are tight and you want to offer something to someone, but you don't want to have the, the potential higher costs, then it would make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, if you're in a business that's continuously growing and you want to take care of your people, I would lean more towards the 401k mm-hmm. because you could start out with just a regular 401k with safe harbor matching. If things start going really well for you and you guys get flush with cash, you could turn on profit sharing. There's lots of options there. Um, so that's that's how I would think of it. How yeah. about you? Uh, same. I think if you're trying, if you want to set something up so that employees have the option of getting more money into a plan than they could on their own through a traditional IRA. Then setting up a simple IRA is a great first step. Yeah. And I think especially in the past, and even the not-too-distant past, the past couple of years or so, it, you used to save a lot of money doing a simple IRA over 401k. Mm-hmm. But as you mentioned, 401ks are becoming less and less costly to administer. Yeah. That in, in many, many cases, it makes sense to begin transitioning those types of plans into the less expensive 401k. Agreed. 
All right, so that's a simple IRA.、Uh, what about a SEP IRA, a Simplified Employee Pension, SEP IRA? Tell、yeah. me about that. So get back to that concept of profit sharing, right? So really, what's happening there is、um, contribution has to stay stay under that fifty seven thousand dollar amount we talked about earlier, or twenty five percent of the employee's gross annual salary. Right, the lesser of the two. Yep. So basically, you're going to go look at. What percentage of the business's profits for this pension fund are we going to put away this year into everyone's accounts?、Um, and it's that simple. So、yeah. everyone gets ten percent. Okay, how much did you? What was your salary? And it has to be up to ten percent of your salary, or the lesser of fifty-seven thousand, right?、Mm-hmm. So if you make six hundred grand a year, you get fifty-seven thousand.、Mm-hmm. If you make, you know, four、uh, hundred grand, you get forty. If you make a hundred, you get ten.、Mm-hmm. So it's really it, on a ten percent. Right. But that's、so、that's it. No catch-up provision here. Um, all contributions are discretionary, meaning that we, there's nothing that we have to do. Right. The business owner doesn't have to do anything. And then, likewise, if you're an employee of a plan that's a, a, of a SEP IRA plan, you can't actually put your own contributions in. Right. Like you, it's 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 completely up to the employer to say, are they going to make a discretionary contribution or not? If so, everyone gets a contribution. If not, no one really does. So it's not something like a 401k where you can say. I don't really care what my employer does. I'm still going to get mine in.、Um, there's not that option. There's no employee contributions. Yep. And for eligibility requirements, you can have、um, requirements that say you're not allowed to participate until up to age 21. Of course, you can be more lax with that if you want to be, but that's、mm-hmm. where the threshold ends. And then up to three years of employment before you get to start participating here. Right. So again, if it, if you think about sharing in profits of the business and you want to do it with longer term employees, that might be a reason why people do that. And I see that happen,、uh, you know, if someone's because we're going to talk about this in just just a bit. But generally, these types of plans work if it's if you're self-employed and don't have employees.、Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as you start getting employees, it becomes very expensive because whatever percentage you make to a contribution to your own account, you have to do to employees as well. Right. So those eligibility requirements sometimes to see if if a self-employed no employee. Kind of business owner has one, they can say, "Well, I'm going to add a provision where someone has to be with me for a year." So if they do hire someone, they kind of have a year to see does this working out or not before switching over to another plan where、exactly. they both benefit. So that's why I think why some of those eligibility requirements can be helpful. But generally, these are these are oftentimes just appropriate if you don't have employees. Yeah, if you do, it can be very expensive.、Um, the cost of it can outweigh any of the tax benefits you get when you look at how much you have to contribute to employees. To get anything to your own account, yeah, and and we did,、um, and the, the key there is the matching percentage to participants、um, has to be equal, right? Right. You you don't get to cherry. I don't get to cherry pick and say,、oh, I had a great year, James. I'm going to put 25 percent away for myself, and I really really like having you here, but I'm going to put away five <laughs> percent for you. Yeah, it has to be the same amount across the board, which is why it gets expensive. Right. Right. And so we actually did an episode about this. Of if you are self employed. Does a solo four hundred one k or a SEP IRA make more sense? And we actually said solo four hundred one k almost always. Yes. So really, SEP IRAs you see them, but there's a lot of times better plans up out there. Yeah, and we, you know, solo four hundred one ks haven't been around that long. They they came in in the two thousands. So、um, before that, SEP IRAs were amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's a better a better option in town if you're a、uh, individual. Yeah. Or you have like your spouse working with you. So, see episode three if you want to learn why、uh, when to do a solo four hundred one k versus when to do a SEP IRA. Yes, and why we think probably solo four hundred one k is the way to go. Yep. Okay, so from there,、um, define benefit plans. 
So a defined benefit plan is really a form of a pension plan. So 401ks that we were talking about before is kind of is what we call a defined contribution plan, which yeah. means that um, there's a, a certain amount that we're allowed to put in. Um, a defined benefit plan is really designed so that it's about uh, it, it just operates a little bit differently. I'm not going to go geek out too deeply on this, but um, the contribution limits are determined actuarially. Mm-hmm. So you start to get in, which basically means that someone really geeks out with an Excel spreadsheet and the rules mm-hmm. to figure out how they can optimize things. Mm-hmm. But you can put away all the way up to $230,000 of your income in, a, in any given year mm-hmm. um, if the actuarial numbers work. Yeah. I think that's what trips people up when you kind of explain a defined benefit plan to them. It just works different than a 401k. So as you mentioned, a 401k is a defined contribution plan. Yep. Which means you can put up up to a defined contribution amount into your plan, then whatever it grows to is what it grows to. Yep. That's your benefit. Yep. So and that's you're exactly right. And that's what's confusing about this, right? It's like I can go see how much I can put in a 401k this year. Mm-hmm. And everyone gets to put away the same amount. Yeah. Right? But the moment you start using a defined benefit plan, we start running with things like, well, how old are you? And how much income did you have? And how much income did the rest of the group have? And there's all these different variables that come together to figure out how do we optimize this for you. Right. And that's what makes it really confusing. Right. And so when you see people say, oh, I have a pension for my years of work at such and such company, right. that, th- that is a defined benefit plan. It is. And you see pensions less and less frequently. Um, you will see defined benefit plans. I'll see them kind of for small businesses yep. who are more viewing it as a way of getting a lot more into a retirement account for the business owner. Yes. Because they're in their later years of work. Yes. So it's norm- we know- where I normally see it is – Small business practices, specifically like dental practices, orthodontic practices, you know, um, when there were still physician practices that were private practices, you would see them there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's places where you have people who are partners who are older and they're making a lot of money now and they want to put it away and shelter it until they retire. Right. Because the way that works, the way to find benefit plan works is, let's say, Scott, you're you're older and you're a couple years away from retirement or a few years away from retirement. Yeah. You would design a defined benefit plan that says, okay, Scott, you're going to get $50,000 per year as a pension. Well, as a defined benefit, we then work backwards to say, how much would we need to put away for the next few years to give you that $50,000 of benefit for the rest of your life? Right. And for an older person, you're going to put away a lot more than you would for a younger person. Yes. You say we can put a lesser amount away for longer periods of time. Um, And you simply use that formula to your advantage to say, let's put away a lot more. And then oftentimes you retire and you take that as a lump sum and just treat it like you would a traditional IRA. Exactly. You don't necessarily take the defined benefit. Yep. And we've talked to you guys about that before, about the concept of saving for retirement. And if you were from the very, from go out of college, were to save 10% per year for retirement, you'd probably be okay for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. But if you step up and you're 50... You can't save 10% to be okay in retirement, right? Mm-hmm. That's exactly what's happening with this type of a plan. They're just coming in and they're saying, oh, well, you want to create this benefit for yourself in the future. Oh, you're old. You have to go put away a lot of money now. Mm-hmm. And so that actually becomes very beneficial for a business owner mm-hmm. rather than detrimental, right? But so we're, we're using the same concept. We're just using it to the advantage for the business owner. Right, right. And then the, one of the things to keep in mind with that is with a defined benefit plan, you generally need to keep those plans for at least three years because you can't just go say, oh, I'm a year out from retirement. I'm making a million dollars this year. Let me put away half of it or a third of it. Right. 
to a defined benefit plan and then retire. And it's, it's, you have to maintain it for at least three years or more typically. So the IRS doesn't just think of it as some temporary tax haven, but it's actually a legitimate plan with the intention of creating that defined benefit. Absolutely. And similarly speaking, like if you're creating a defined benefit plan, it's not like I'm the, if I'm, if, if again, we're at Stone Steps and James is working here with me, it's not like I get to just do it for myself mm-hmm. and I don't get to, there's no benefit for anyone else. Right. The employees would participate in that as well, although yeah. if they're younger and less I would, compensated. It would be designed such that I would hopefully get to optimize my side a little bit more than, than, the, than the younger employee side. It's the way it's designed, but that's, mm-hmm. that is the point. But everyone benefits, right? Yeah. All right. So there's defined benefit plan. What about a profit sharing plan? We kind of talked about this a little bit because 401ks can have what's called a profit sharing component to them. Yep. But you could also just have a profit sharing plan, the standalone plan. Right. Which a profit sharing plan would be very similar to a SEP, mm-hmm. right? Very sim- similar concept. So discretionary contributions, um, employees don't get to make contributions. It's only made by the employer and the max contributions, 25% of of the amount of money that they make, or $57,000. Right. Um, however, profit sharing does have a catch-up. Right. So you can go up to $63,500 this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and as you said, it's the profits. You explained this earlier. The profits come in, and then based upon some formula, they are allocated to all the employees. Yeah. So that, that can be weighed heavier to people who are older, who have higher incomes, or whatever it may be, but um, everyone is participating. The profits are getting spread out amongst employees yep and that is a clear dif- difference between profit sharing and um the sep mm-hmm. that we talked about earlier seps we have to give that same just a fixed percentage, percentage across the board profit sharing we have more flexibility in determining how we're gonna slice up that pie right and you don't see profit sharing plans that frequently um more often you see them as components of 401k plans yep. but they do exist it is an option yeah to me for a small business owner who really cares about their people you know, if you can start with the 401k with the match mm-hmm. and then you can step into profit sharing mm-hmm. and then you keep growing your business, it's going gangbusters and you have an amazing, an amazing profit margin. Well, then maybe you look at f- adding a defined benefit plan, mm-hmm. right? There's so many options for how you can do this. It's not like you can only pick one. Yeah. You can start to layer some of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that, that is a good point because, you know, transitioning now from that, looking at them all as a whole. Once you're a business owner with more than a handful of employees, setting up one of these plans, it's frequently done more as an employee benefit. Mm-hmm. Once you get to the point where you have a certain number of employees, which varies based upon each business, the cost of doing it, whether in the form of the administration cost of setting it up or the cost of making employee contributions, oftentimes it starts to outweigh any tax benefit that the owner gets. Quickly. So you need to start looking at this as a business owner. Yes, if it's just you and a couple or a few employees, you can set up this plan and have it be a net benefit to you. Mm. The tax savings offset any cost. But after that, really start to view this as an employee benefit or something to incentivize employees, to retain employees because it's the costs involved are most often going to outweigh any benefit to you. Mm-hmm. So that being said, if you're purely looking for something and you have a whole bunch of employees and you're saying, how do I get a retirement plan set up? And, and for right now, I'm just focused on how can I maximize my benefit? Sometimes it's just a traditional IRA. Yeah. It's, it's not something set up through the business. Mm-hmm. Now, hopefully that can kind of grow and graduate that into a, a business plan that benefits you and employees. But, um, People come and they look to say, how do I get the most bang for my buck? Sometimes it's not with a retirement plan, depending upon the structure. Yep. All right. So anything else with that? I know there's other plans, ESOP. 
I think that's four fifty-seven, etc. But those are the main ones, I think. Exactly. I think we we've covered the 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 most commonly retirement plans. Yeah, commonly okay. used retirement plans. And we've talked longer than we do most episodes. I think it's time for us to to shut up and move on. Sorry for geeking out so much <laughs> on employee uh, small business plans, guys. But um, hopefully, you found it helpful. Until next time, thanks, Scott. Thank you. Thank you for listening to episode number 39 of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. We hope you're enjoying the show. And for a list of the resources or notes from today's episode, please go to the Real Personal Finance website. That's realpersonalfinance.co and find episode number 39. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. We enjoy hearing what you have to say and more reviews helps more people to find our show. And finally, if you're looking to have a question for Scott and I to answer in a future episode, you can do that by heading over to the Real Personal Finance website. And there's a section on the bottom of the page there where you can submit your own question. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.